Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. Happy Friday. As you know, we always enjoy our Friday shows, particularly the weekend is imminent, but tomorrow is Therapy Live Pelvic Health, so massive fever pitch here at Choose Health HQ uh, with the Physiomatters and Therapy Live moderator team busy swatting up to make sure we can deliver you the very best show that we can for what is a re really interesting growth area, uh, pelvic health, and so we're excited to sort of weigh in on that, uh, but particularly excited as well for this show. We've been talking a little bit this week for those that have noticed on social media about our excitement around a new device called Active Force 2 that we've been working with our American friends, Active Body, um, and we have their CEO who's joining me on the show in a little while. I've been talking about it a lot, but I've been a bit, people have been arguing I've been too shy to show you. So I'm going to, I'm going to do my best like shopping channel impression. So we have, uh, we have the device here. This is the Active Force 2. And for those of you that are aware of the Active 5, which is original resistance trainer by Active Body that we were, uh, we were using um, and showing up to the Therapy Live show last year. Um, a really great device but definitely something that then has been massively improved for the msk market particularly with its convex attachment now this is one of the things that's interesting is you've then got this sort of strap interface and you get a set of straps with it but also you can also get then the concave attachment as well so you're in this situation where you've got two different types of attachments for that different shapes as well as multiple multitude of straps that come in one perfect package that then speaks to its own native app and records both dynamometry force data, but then also your range of movement. I used it with a frozen shoulder patient on Wednesday. It was just brilliant to get some baseline uh, for the actual range that she had at the time uh, using some metrics that then spoke straight into the app. I got that into her notes and therefore uh, didn't have to sharpen my pencil, uh, which was always a bonus. So really looking forward to talking to Tay Wynn, who's joining me shortly. Uh, we've got a, a whole host of different devices that I've got here. I'm not gonna be doing demos, but we've used the MicroFET for years. And so one of the big things really is that these things have been massively cost prohibitive. So if you haven't already had a look and already purchased, these are flying off the shelves and we've got very limited stock, but it's only 300 pounds through physiohyphenmatters.com forward slash AF2. That's physiohyphenmatters.com forward slash AF2. And then you can get hold of those for just 300 pound at the moment. And so uh, please do have a look on there if you haven't already. But... Without further ado, we're going to have a chat about all things measurement in MSK, as well as talking about how they came about, how this has come about uh, from a brilliant health tech entrepreneur that is Tay Wynn. Tay, can you hear me? Yes. Thanks for having me on, Jack. Now, I've, I've dragged you out of bed very early this morning. You're over in, <laughs> you're over in California. Yes, um, yes. So, uh, not I really a do appreciate it. Um, so first question I really want to, to get, get stuck into is that when we first met over Zoom, um, me and you ended up getting into each other's backgrounds and past and things, and you've had such an interesting career. I wonder if you don't mind just giving us a bit of a brief introduction to your background and how you got where you are now. Sure. Uh, I took kind of a windy road to a health tech, but um, I'm a I'm an aerospace engineer by training, I have a bachelor's and master's degree, but I spent the first part of my career at Accenture uh, doing um, IT consulting for the big oil companies. And then in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, um, a couple of my roommates and I jumped onto the internet gold rush train and raised some money uh, with uh, venture capitalists and created Divix, which was an internet media video company. Right. So from the five of us, and with a lot of hard work and just a little bit of luck, 
we grew the company to about 300 people and we're fortunate enough to take it all the way to an IPO back in 2006. So that was quite an experience, um, lots of positives, but also extremely, extremely difficult as you can imagine in the startup life. So I took a little bit of time off after the DivX IPO and um, basically uh, bought an RV and toured around the country with my family just to make up for a lot of those years that I lost. But um, then that intervening time, I had the uh, good fortune to have a lot of friends who were entrepreneurs also. And one of them was a physician, a pulmonologist who was building a sleep medicine clinic. Um, and he was the one who kind of pulled me back into a full-time job and uh, threw me into healthcare. He, a uh, brilliant, brilliant physician um, and a great, great guy just didn't want to do kind of the business operations and the, you know, the, the uh, clinical uh, uh, administration of the clinic. So I was brought in to help uh, grow his clinic and had a fantastic clinical uh, operations VP who taught me the ropes uh, and her clinical prowess and my business operations acumen really helped grow the clinic from about 25 people to about 200 over the course of a couple of years. Wow. So I learned all about healthcare, uh, the insurance reimbursement, uh, the you know a lot of the behind the scenes work with intake, with insurance verification, with billing, but also learned a lot about how physicians worked. So I think the um, the most enlightening thing for me was um, we worked um, primarily with CPAP patients and CPAP therapy. So right around uh, that time, all of the uh, CPAP devices were starting to put data up into the cloud. So every night we would, uh, uh, the, the CPAP machines would upload data from the patient's usage over their rest periods into the cloud. So we built a system that pulled down all the data for our hundreds and hundreds of patients uh, at any time. And over the entire course of the couple of years, it grew in the tens of thousands. But this data was extremely important as we pulled it down and we were able to sort, analyze, and look through the data computationally for, uh, for exceptions and identify which patients needed intervention. So if you're not familiar with CPAP therapy, it's extremely difficult to get accustomed to. You're, you, know, you have to wear a mask at night, a, a, and a, not only just a mask, but a very tight fitting air sealed mask for the positive airway pressure to keep your throat open during uh, during your sleep. And it's extremely hard to accommodate and get accustomed to. So using that data, we would know if, for example, you know, a mask was leaking and if the therapy would be ineffective. We would also know if patients um, took it off in the middle of night. And having all these signals um, allowed us to create a continued care team you know, a group of therapists who would look at the data every morning, sort through those patients who needed intervention and reach out to them and actually coach and help them through their therapy. And that had, was a tremendous um, uh, boon for our patients and it really helped increase compliance. You know, the old saying with CPAP is if you can make it through the first 30 days and actually change your sleep behaviors with CPAP therapy, then your life has changed because you're now getting great sleep and you uh, habitualize and accommodate, acclimate, uh, acclimate yourself to the CPAP therapy. Mm. So 
in that experience, I learned firsthand how important the data could be in terms of like creating a positive outcome for a, for a patients and for therapy. So the clinic uh, grew. Um, we handed it over to our uh, clinical VP of clinical operations. She eventually became CEO, and she she ran it fabulously. My uh, my physician friend and I split off, and with our business partner, went and built uh, a online cognitive behavior therapy system in a similar way, used the data inputted by uh, the participants to develop a set of um, interventions to help with uh, combating insomnia and basically around creating positive behaviors for sleep health. And that, that actual project was a lot of fun for me because I got the ability to get in the mind of a clinician and really spend a lot of time sitting with them and learning how they uh, practice medicine. And not only that, but then taking all of their knowledge and putting into a, a computer algorithm to be deployed at scale. And uh, that was, um, that program was then deployed over corporate wellness where we used a lot of uh, gamification and incentivizations to have people change their sleep behaviors. So, you know, when, when I first met you, I definitely shared with you that I was a huge fan of sleep. So uh, and sleep still is one of those uh, uh, passions in my life. And I try to get lots and lots of it. And that's why, that's why I was saying earlier, I feel so guilty dragging you out of bed when you first told me that you were a, a big sleep, sleep advocate. And I think as well, the, the integration of, of both the hardware and software, as well as data management and me measurement and management, it seems that it's all those things rather than one. We, we speak to, especially people that are into products or into services, into hardware, into software, they're not necessarily doing what you're doing, which is looking at the entirety of a problem and then mm -hmm really driving to to solve it and then as you did with with CPAP and, and and bringing that together you've then through active body started to apply that and some of the principles that obviously more overlap within my world of MSK tell me active body story if you would sure um, active body was born out of a, a need that our uh, chairman and founder uh, had he he had injured himself and he is a, a very busy uh, travels the world as a businessman. Um, he's a nuclear physicist and a successful entrepreneur, and has a lot of dealings all over the all over the world. And after his injury, he couldn't find the space and time to perform his rehabilitation exercises because of his lifestyle. So, uh, uh, being the engineer and that he is, he said, "Well, I could solve this problem," and that born from that was the active five device you know the one you showed which is an isometric exercise device um, a lot of the technology that was uh, put into the active five found itself to be very applicable to active force and to create a dynamometry solution so our you know costa's initial uh, i guess intent of solving his problem actually spawned a solution for everybody. And we were able to leverage that technology in the Active 5 and put it into Active Force and really find some benefits for not only consumers and end users, but also for the physiotherapy community. And so that measurement uh, piece, especially when I, again, I reflect on that first conversation we mm -hmm. had 
uh, which our colleagues had said felt like it could well have been a podcast they were sat through because we just couldn't help but just uh, be picking each other's brains. But we both were quite clearly on the same page with regards to the value of measurement, but not for the sake of it, right? Purposeful, right. sensible measurement that's accurate, reliable, but also is meaningful. And um, what is it that sort of, because I know, I know what sort of uh, got, me, got me into that sort of stuff, but what, what sort of drives you to be passionate about that? Um, for me, data is um, a way to come to decisions, right? So having data, and the world is full of data, um, absolutely full of it. I spent the early parts of my career as a, as a database administrator. And so I would see data come in from everywhere, from all sorts of places, and the world is just you know flush with data now. Mm. The important part about data is to apply it in a way that actually makes a difference. Um, in the business world, it's about um, you know insights and planning your business and being able to see trends that aren't evident or aren't visible until you do the analysis. In the clinical world, I mean, what? And this is just my personal experience. Um, the ability to make the right diagnosis, the ability to see how effective treatment is, and the ability to actually help drive uh, engagement and compliance are the benefits or the outcomes or the positive, uh, you know, the positive rewards of having good data. So um, I you know, a lot of people like to say, you know, if you have the data, then that's all, you know, then you're done. But I think there's one more step and you have to apply that either business knowledge or clinical knowledge to data to actually have have it create value in the world. Mm. And I think that, that that application is a step that not enough people take, really. It's sort of, I think maybe it's someone's, some people's disposition that, well, once it's there, it will be applied sensibly. I think that because in their, to their mind, especially because they created it, they just think that that's the logical next step that everyone else will make. And so they just think, well, we'll just get the data and that, that merging and the application of it and the making it relevant to solving problems. Mm -hmm. That's a step that, that you and Active Body and now with the Active Force 2 have definitely applied. But in my opinion, at least in our game, too few do that because they sort of think that that comes for the ride or or that that's just going to be what, what emerges from it. And that's one of the things we're trying to make sure we get through to, to our audience really as well is that just the, the, the sky's the limit as to how you can integrate this into your clinic. And, and we're really all ears for creative mm -hmm. and innovative solutions to how it could be used and integrated. What do you, what are you most proud of with regards to the Active Force 2 device as it's uh, now being just, just coming to market now? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, my team and I are extremely just over the moon about the uh, enthusiastic reception that we've been getting. So it's a uh, as a uh, as creators, and you know we like to think of ourselves as creators and innovators. You know, it's extremely fulfilling to have created something that people actually use and find value in. It solves a problem for somebody. So it's you know you know thank you very much, Jack, for you know just all of your positive feedback and for your you know for your advocacy of you know our solution and and the way we go about doing it. Uh, we we really want to create uh, you know and the word is you know overused, but solutions and and you know and uh, products that actually get put to use in the real world and help people. Yeah, I think that it is it is overused, but it's seldom applicable. I think compared to this, and I think that one of the things that's made us so enthusiastic is the 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 functionality of it kind of excites me, especially because you and your team you're not making any false or evangelized claims. You know, it's so so used to things. We're so used to being peddled sort of 
or pushed on us gadgets and gizmos and uh, there's, there's claims that, that that make our eyes water really because we know that the mechanism of effect underneath what it's suggesting is is questionable that um, that there's more sales than sense underneath all of it whereas this truly not just from its story but actually as a device it sort of stands on its own feet it's like it's it's, it's doing what it's it's supposed to do and it's not trying to pretend it's doing more and so i think that the exciting thing for me is that we we as clinicians are going to then be able to take this and apply it and and that um, the the sort of sky's the limit as to as to what we can achieve i also think that the ability for us to actually then not just not just collect it for the collection's sake, but also sort to start to recognise how that influences care delivery, how it might influence compliance. Let's not just you know not just measure it for patients, but also measure it for clinics for its usage across various different contexts in sport. In in uh, we're getting it in the hands of of some um, university educators as well as university researchers because it's something that another thing that you and your team have been really open to is that this needs to have all angles of scrutiny. There's a lot of people that try and keep things away from me and my team, in part because sometimes um, they, they feel that they it, it either isn't ready or they they don't they're a bit cautious uh, on that similarly there's there's lots of gadgets that try and steer clear of, of research you know that's the exact opposite of what you guys are doing you're putting it in front of critics you're putting it in front of researchers you want those validation studies you're, you're proud of how it will stand up to those and i think that that's one of the things that i've been most interested in if i was to answer what am i most proud of when it comes to even just our comms in recent months is the fact that you know it's just this a clear value for openness and the fact that we're solving problems and the way to do that is to be challenged is to is to be confronted with what the facts of the matter are rather than trying to hide for the sake of a like cheap version of sales and marketing so hats off to, to you and team for that it's been really impressive well, to see well thank you very much and we well well this is active force too and we are already working on our next versions of the software and looking at the you know right. the, the reason that we created the uh, the ability to, to have detachable attachments is to create new attachments for the marketplace. So we're extremely excited and interested to see where the uh, community takes the uh, the product and all the applications that it can be put into. And that's one of the things that I'm glad you've brought up because I was, when we get the first few units of these out into the, into the world, um, especially just because of uh, stock and supply, it's been complex because of COVID, of course. Uh, but when mm -hmm. we get those out there, I mean, one of the first questions I'm gonna be asking on our feedback surveys is, what would you suggest, right? What 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 attachments would suit your purposes, etc.? And for us to be able to gather that and start to develop it is is exciting already. I've just got a couple of pictures just for those that might not have seen when we're holding it up. Um, these are the these are the attachments and the fact that this you can see in between the attachment and the actual device. You've then got that uh, an access for various different si sizes of straps, and you get three. Uh, it's three straps already with the clip attached, so you're not having to weave your straps back through uh, with the actual package, um, and it all comes in. You've not got any sort of um, you've not got any sort of stealth bolt-ons that you need to then also purchase. You know, you've you've got a fully complete and ready to go device with it, uh, and it's got so many different application uses across the across the board. You can imagine with a handheld, um, and also compared to, I mean, a big one for us in clinic, and we've used the MicroFet for years, is that, that just how how rounded that is because it's in your palm means that as soon as you're putting it up against the surface, it's really unstable and becomes unreliable. And whilst it's not flush. 
the device uh, for the Active Force 2, especially the way in which it's constructed, has just got a broader base for contact. That's definitely a, a great improvement on its competition. So I would definitely recommend that for those that are considering and, and typically would use dynamometry against the surface, if not in hand. And so it's kind of showing that versatility already. Um, one thing I wanted to, to bring with you, Tay, is this is something that because it's a solution for therapists across the board, it seems to transcend culture, transcend borders. Obviously, we're speaking across the Atlantic now, but has the interest been truly global? It has been, and that's one of the reasons that you know we're uh, actually caught a little bit behind in our manufacturing. So we've uh, been really trying to ramp up manufacturing to make sure that we can meet demand across the world. We have lots of units going out to Europe um, and also to um, the uh, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, the Europe, UK, Australia, New Zealand. Um, we're starting to uh, look into Japan and the rest of Asia, and of course, our home country of the USA. So. Mm, fantastic, no, it's brilliant. We've got some great questions and comments coming in, uh, particularly like this one from Alistair, and I totally agree. I respect the open approach when there's so much junk being peddled, this is refreshing. It is absolutely the case, Tay, and I'm afraid to say we do get we do get all sorts of gadgets and gizmos then peddled towards us. So uh, I think I won't, I won't, we won't be alone in thinking that it is really refreshing. Joe Turner asks, does it measure initiation and force development or just the maximum maximal force? Do you want to take that or shall I? Sure, sure. It, it, it uh, actually does measure initiation and force over time. And you also, as part of the application, see a force over time graph. Now, I... I wish I'd have thought on, and I don't have this loaded up, I should pull it up on screen, but if my camera can, uh, can demonstrate, then you've got a three-test reading there of uh, force under the curve on a six-second resistance. Uh, absolutely brilliant. And, as, of course, when you think about rate of force development, especially with regards to, say, quads and trying to understand where that brake phenomenon might be occurring, absolutely brilliant. And then literally at the click of a button, you then press email summary and it sends that over as a report. It's amazing just the integrations that it has. And again, let's just reiterate, a third to a quarter of the price of its competition plus additional features, right? It's not even like for like at that. It's just a phenomenon. Uh, I imagine you've got that feedback uh, plenty as well with regards to the, the surprise at the price point. Um, how's, how's that come about? And I suppose as well, let's just say thanks for, thanks for not putting you know, you did got. A, I could understand it. I can't help but be thankful that you've not got a four hundred quid margin on this thing because I'm amazed because you you probably could have done. And it's great that you're clearly passionate about getting these out into clinicians' hands because you've priced it accordingly. Uh, yes. So, um, and that's one of the reasons why um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you. It's like, what what have been the barriers to the adoption of dynamometry? I mean, we. You know, the, the core technology was put into our consumer device. And so we as a company were able to leverage all of that R&D into our clinical uh, version of it. But um, what other factors have been really stopping dynamometry from being adopted in your field? Yeah, I mean, the big the big one has been price point. I think that especially in recent times, we've come to, kind of come to realize that there is something really beneficial to being able to expose patients to their own weaknesses rather than the guesswork that occurs you know with the best will in the world people say oh that that feels a bit weaker than than the the other side or you feel like you're getting a bit stronger than last week but you are guessing um and everyone despite best efforts has had to do that because of the the price point being so prohibitive i mean the other side as well is that they're often really quite clunky medical devices or mm -hmm. they take up space they, they, even the smaller ones 
don't fit in your pocket. And, and this is obviously a, a massive game changer when the Active 5 came through. And then now the, the versatility of the Active Force 2 means that you can literally keep that in your clinician's pocket um, or for it to not take up space and not be heavy and, and all those sorts of things. And the third thing is that you've just got these qu massive question marks over the reliability and consistency um, that, that, uh, that certainly makes people a bit worried that they, they know that any device feels like it's a step up from just guessing and eyeballing things. But actually, once you start to bring measurements to bear, the worry about those inaccuracies definitely plays on your mind as a clinician. And so sometimes I think people just err on the side of caution. So with this device sort of ticking those boxes for us, this is what surprised our audience a bit. It's like, wow, you know, we famously don't peddle product. <laughs> you know, it's so, so the fact that this met our threshold has definitely uh, impressed people already. And I think one of the big things that it has, has done is it's ticked those three boxes for me. And, and I think it could really open it up and, and get, get make that a staple across msk practice in clinic which very exciting yes and that's exactly what we wanted to do and that's part of our um, kind of our vision is to really um, expand the reach of dynamometry and really have it accessible to everyone which is one of the reasons behind the price point uh, what um what do you feel that the technology if we if we did proliferate this you know, and we were to, as we as we both hope, we were to get this across departments and for people to start benefiting from it, as well as, you know, practicing and being creative and being critical and just all the things that's going to be this melting pot of, of um, learning that we can all achieve from it. What do you think would be, um, what's the goal there in terms of not just doing that, but then what do you think the, the effect would be of managing to proliferate this? Um. This may sound a little bit as selfish, <laughs> but um, as I've been getting older, uh, I definitely have recognized that I have a lot more aches and pains, and, uh, and all of those affect my quality of life. And truth be told, I spend more time at my physical therapist than than I ever have. Just you know, I'm an active person. You know, I like to surf, play volleyball snowboard and inevitably I come away with bruises and injuries and aches and pains that don't go away after you know a weekend. So I think that for me and for I think for a lot of folks uh, the, the quality of life becomes more and more important and having the ability or having the you know the opportunity to help clinicians and folks in the uh, healthcare industry increase and make better the quality of life for folks across any, you know, across all of society is, I think is one of the, I guess, one of the things that, you know, like I said, selfishly, I would like to see because I'm becoming more and more your customer <laughs> and I want you to do the very best job for me as I, you know, go into, uh, you know, uh, as I mature in age and as I want to live my active lifestyle, but um, I need your help to do it. And if, I, and if Active Body and if our team can provide you the tools for that help, that's fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. That's a great point. I think that the, the social good can only come from making sure we take clinicians that are using both the device, the software, and, and, and all health technology in a sensible and judicious way that also then integrates within their own clinical reasoning. So without me getting too nerdy, my audience are so used to me saying about the fact that these are always, you know, it's, it's only as good as it is uh, in the in the user's hands. And so what we're mm -hmm. planning to do is uh, work with um, work with with active 
body to, to make sure that the resources are available for people to understand how it can be used, how you can make sure you use it um, in a functional way that then maintains its reliability, that can help to feed into the next iterations of, of attachments and, and future devices. But also just to make sure that we recognize that these things don't just come for, you know, the social good doesn't just come for the ride. Like, so you, let's use this in a sensible manner that then helps people to engage with their therapy that means that they can rehabilitate their lives and, and be as active as they, they want to be and to, and to make sure that they scale their functional ability in keeping with their own goals on an individualized manner rather than sometimes people sort of falsely assert that, that by measuring something, we're then benchmarking them against a mean average or something like that. No, this, let's work out on how this works with someone's personal goals and their own health and fitness. And I dare say if we can keep people more active, then they're going to be less likely to need the CPAP devices that you use to uh that you used to work on you know let's let's recognize that this isn't just about aches and pains is that when people are more active and the, the all-cause mortality can decrease and there's some fantastic work been coming out recently about strength and force rate of force production being such an interesting proxy for all-cause mortality so as, as therapists we've got to step up and the fact that technologies like this can help us do that and stop guessing and start measuring is just is just phenomenal uh, we're on to our last couple of minutes Tay. so if you can tell people a little bit about my, where they might find out a little bit more about you in the organization sure um, you can just go to activebody.com slash rehab so we uh, have a, a, a page there that talks about the active force to device and um, we also uh, encourage any uh, email and support uh, and comments to support at activebody.com Brilliant. Thank and you very much. It's active body without the E. So active body without the E. Yeah. Sure. We'll, we'll, put, yeah, we'll put that up on the uh, we'll put that up on the uh, on the descriptions and show notes as well. Just a couple of final comments as well. Um, Alistair, you've asked about compressive forces. Yes, it's a push dynamometer, um, but you can and we'll show you. We're going to produce some videos to show. There's a few bits we've been playing with with the straps that can help us with regards to pull forces as well. So we can do a bit of a switcheroo, which is good there. Anna Maria, imagine how good this could be. For working with older people and preventing falls that's quite exciting exactly these are the, the social goods sometimes i think people recognize that it's got massive utility in sport but of course across populations across musculoskeletal care and the most important comment of all here from matt scarsbrook tay he says can i compliment tay <laughs> on his awesome sleepy panda as well i thought that uh, you have to thank my wife for that this used to be our nursery and we've turned it into our home office but uh, I just couldn't bear the thought of painting over my wife's work, so I've kept so the uh, the panda. No, 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 it should stay for it should stay a long stay a long mm -hmm. time. And uh, I'll just finish with this, Alistair Beverly. I can see so many uses for this, and I think that that's what I think. I love the idea of a few people's cogs turning at the moment, thinking about the creative ways in which they use it, and of course within our network. That's what I'm excited about is you guys feeding that back to me and, and, and letting us know and, and building some case studies of, of its usage variety is exciting for me as well. So thanks so much for your time today, Tay. I really appreciate it. And uh, I know you're not going to get back to bed, but you make sure you clock off early today. All right. All right. Thank you, Jack. It's a pleasure talking with you and your team.